Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to Cannabis Karaoke, where we ask you to grab the mic and tell your story. Get inside info from today's most interesting cannabis pioneers, and from the first note to the end of the song, listen up as you get to hear the stories of success on Cannabis Karaoke. Well, well, well. Hi. Hi. It's good to see you. Good to see you, too. What have you been up to? I've been traveling my little ass around doing the podcast in different cities. Well, okay, so we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Well, Let's, you asked. No, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so first of all, I would like to welcome lovely Joe to the show. Um, and first of all, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what you're involved with, um, and then we can kind of go into the question mode. Totally. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Um, nice to be in the studio. I'm Joanna Newding. I am the founder of Casually Baked. It is a cannabis lifestyle brand based in Oakland, and I'm a cannabis lifestyle guide. I help people onboard into our culture and cannabis for wellness, and basically, I'm monetizing my lifestyle. I'm getting paid to be myself. Isn't that everyone's dream? Well, actually, it should it's not. Be. It should be everyone's should be dream. Everyone's you said a really interesting word that I've never heard, which is cannabis lifestyle guide. I made it up. <clears throat> what is that? Like just, I'm, it really is totally. Intriguing. Yeah. So when I moved to California five years ago, I was on a quest to get paid to be myself. I had taken a midlife retirement in Bologna, Italy, and had dreamed up where and what I would be doing. And so obviously cannabis drew me to California and I attended um, the SoCal Can- High Times Cannabis Cup. And it was my very first one. I was so excited. And I had money burning a hole in my pocket. I wanted to buy buy a T-shirt or a hoodie or something. And I just didn't see anything that was representing who I was and what my cannabis culture was. And so I got home, and my wheels were turning. And I'm constantly fielding calls and questions from people or how do I get my medical card you know, or now I've gotten my medical card and now I'm scared to go into a dispensary. And so I just, this was happening to me all the time. And I thought I could make this a business. Like people need help. Like this industry is so overwhelming. People don't know how to use cannabis, when to use cannabis, or, you know, women hate to not know what they're doing or they don't like to know what's going on. They don't like to be new at something. I don't think a lot of people have a hard time being new to a space, you know? And I think uh, I'm just going to hold on to that phrase because I feel like that's a whole new category of of the space that we really haven't talked about. So that, I mean, that kind of leads us into the reason for this podcast with, you know, Cannabis Karaoke. The whole idea is like what makes you stand up to the mic and belt out that horrible song (laughs) that that you are clapping for yourself inside your head. Because really, let's face it, you just kind of, captured it in that last little answer, which is you're getting paid to be who you are. And I feel like that's a lot of what happens in cannabis. I feel like, well, at least in this space, never before in all the businesses I've done, and I know you've been in a lot of different verticals as well, that you get to kind of really pick what you feel like you want to do. Yeah. Well, I think in this industry, there's so much happening that we truly do have the opportunity to choose the things that bring us joy in the industry and focus on those. Because I can make money a thousand ways in this industry and a hell of a lot more money than I'm making right now. However, I am committed to changing the face of the cannabis culture and I'm the person to do it. And I am doing the things that I love and I'm getting to just basically live my life and then tell people about it on a podcast but that's that's there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. You know, I think you I think you kind of like let's be realistic. Cannabis is a very failure oriented industry when it comes to who's making it and who's not making it and who's faking it. Yeah. Right? And so it's it's really more about like perseverance, wanting to having that internal desire to change stigma and a lot of people say that. There's a I mean, that's why I'm in. It's like for I've always wanted to be somewhere where I could tell a story that would help somebody else out. And mm-hmm. what a better place than cannabis. So we've stuck into we've stuck to media and we've 
decided to, to, to help other people tell their stories, but you're actually more directly related to consumers and to people that are kind of curious that want some direction, if you will. And that doesn't come without some responsibility because yeah. recommendation in the space is everything. So how do you, A, how do you qualify who you recommend or who you'll work with? Because mm-hmm. I know you have your pretty white glove, high standard, not in a snobby way, but just the best. You want to be the best. And I've always appreciated that about you. But like, what what is that measure for you? And how do you know? Because it's like, it's like you close your eyes and the whole thing spins around you. So then like, what are you grabbing out and bringing to your consumers and what moves you? Yeah. So after my dad listened to a couple of my podcasts, he told me, he said, Joanna, you have a gift for touching people's hearts and like getting people to talk and to open up about things. And I feel like in the cannabis space there, it is so aggressive and there is so much stuff coming at us. And I do think there are a lot of people that are just in it for the money or they're the movers and shakers and fakers. And my job in this space that I hold on to so deeply is that I am always going to be bringing messages from a place of love and kindness and compassion and trying to empower people. I, I say I'm in the business of can of confidence because if I can put out this message and do it in a way that not only a, a housewife or a, you know, a retired businesswoman or an emerging 20-something trying to figure life out, like I know how to speak to all of those people in their own way and get them to understand something that is really pretty complex and nuanced. And it's not about trying to download a bunch of information and, and facts. And it's like helping people understand their why. Like, why am I using cannabis? Why do I think this is going to help me? How do I get in tune with my body and my community and, and my farmers? And, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's all love. And, you know, and for me, I feel like that's the essence of what my show is and what my brand is. It's like this just happy, joyful playground for people to explore cannabis. And I just, I think it's, you know, I'm not associated with a particular brand. I don't, you know, I'm not endorsed to tell a certain message. It's just, let's just run around and play in the cannabis fields and see what we learn and see what you're inspired to do. And I just, I try to inspire people to, you know, lead the cannabis for wellness lifestyle that feels good to them. You know, I think that's sometimes, well, first of all, the cannabis space by hands, hands down by far is focused on minorities, focused on women having a major role in this space. Um, proper marketing. I mean, it's really, it is nice to see that vein. Tell me a little bit about like where you see people being misled and why that drive. Cause I think the reason you want to be such a medium, if you will, to people to help them understand, because there's a ton of them. Yeah. And, and, and I think there's going to be quite a few people for quite some time that are looking to have a trusting relationship. And there's, so there's other people that are kind of on our same path of like wanting to, I want to change the stigma as well. I functional person that uses cannabis on a daily basis. Like don't, not everybody is coined stoner extraordinaire, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, and so what, when you see things like, and I don't, you don't have to throw shade on anybody, but like, just what is, why do you feel like you want to wrap a protective cocoon around some of these people? Cause I see how you operate. You're very Mm -hmm. caring. You you really are genuinely, what drives you to want to like help these people out? Because a lot of people are going to say, oh, you're in it for the money or you're, you're in it for the fame. Cause you know, you're on podcast, what? 1022. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but w- there's gotta be, there's a trigger that I want Joe to speak to that can help people understand really what you're all about. Well, I think one of the first thoughts that came to mind when you were saying that is being home in Texas, visiting my, my grandmother and seeing this entire windowsill filled with pill bottles and and half of them felt like they were to 
help with the side effects of the other half of them, you know? Oh, it's absolutely, it's a daisy chain of take this to fix that, to fix this, to fix that. I mean, my dad, that's, you know, my dad lost his, his battle with opiates, if you will, because that, that kind of regimen of that pill, like just, they're so trusting of their doctors yes. and they don't even realize that their doctors are being like persuaded, I guess is a soft word I could use to prescribe certain medications at a certain clip. Right. And it's hard to change that mentality. Why, mm-hmm. why is it so hard? You know, when you're, when, if that's your trigger, what's your challenge and why? Well, so for me, it is trying to shake people up from that construct and introducing the idea of, hey, you know, cannabis has the opportunity to, you know, my grandmother hates taking pills. She fucking hates it. They say that, it. though. They say that. Well, but, but I'm so saying, like... they're so wrapped up in it right. that they can't stop. Well, exactly. So it's like the idea of, okay, I want to show you that there's another way and empower you to talk to your doctor about it. And the only way to do that is to really educate people. So when I see something on a shelf that says CBD plus and I turn around the bottle and I see that it's made with hemp seed oil, I'm like, you lying motherfuckers. (laughs) There are no cannabinoids in hemp seed, but you're charging $50 for this or these multi-level marketing companies that are doing it and charging $125 for a one week supply those are the things that enrage me that make me want to just download this information and just allow people to feel smarter when they're reading labels, to understand what a certificate of analysis is. And right. if you That's do COA click on in yes, the, the COA, if you if you click on that um, QR code, do you even know how to fucking read it? Right. You know, there's all of these things that as an industry, we're saying, well, we're doing this stuff, we're providing this information, but it's complicated if you're in the gen pop and you're not part of the cannabis world. So I feel like my mission is to make this stuff palatable, make it easier to understand, make people more confident to feel good about cannabis as they have about using meds from their doctor for the last 30, 40, 50, 80 years of their life. Yeah, because a lot of these snake oil, if you will, a lot of these people that are kind of just taking advantage of the gullible side of cannabis consumption aren't putting out the precursors that these pills have to put out, right? So it's almost like worse, right? We have these kind of veins of this taking place in our in our industry where people are misleading people and it's hard to get that education to the people because it's funny because they'll almost buy, they buy, people buy into stuff so fast. That's that gullible piece I think also drives the pill component that, well, I'm, I got to trust my doctor. My doctor is telling me kind of same thing with the brand. It's so important for a brand to build that trust with that consumer, but not at the back of deceiving them, mm-hmm. you know? So it sounds like, give me some examples. So I know we talked a little bit um, off, off the podcast, I guess, off air. And you had some new ideas. Can we share those ideas without getting too detailed about some of the ways you want to take so eloquently stated getting paid to do what you do Mm -hmm. um, with some of your podcasts with also some of this new opportunity? Do you want to share? Can we share some of that? Yeah. So um, as I've been building this business over the last five years, I have not been able to travel and traveling is kind of my thing, you know. And you've been traveling a little bit lately. I, so I've started picking that back up. I I looked up one day and I realized that my passport had expired and I had a fucking meltdown. Wow. So I went off to Italy last fall and to have a reunion with a bunch of my friends. And I took my portable podcast kit with me and recorded an episode of the show there. And, you know, cannabis culture is a big deal to me. I care about how you grind your weed. I care whether or not we are smoking single strain or if we are smoking a blend. You know, I care that, you know, the piece that we smoke out of, like ritual and the culture is a big deal to me. And when I lived in Italy, I learned very quickly that their cannabis culture is different than ours. And so I find it fascinating to travel and explore the cannabis culture everywhere I go. So 
as I've been working, I'm kind of exploring some deals in Canada. And um, so I took my podcasting equipment with me when I was there. And so I'm, I'm starting to do some fun things where I'm exploring the cannabis culture around the world, kind of opening up some opportunities for people to to see what the modern cannabis culture looks like and how it's evolving in these different countries and different states because, you know, California is its own beast and Colorado's totally different. And I was just in Portland and Jesus Christ, that's way fucking different than here. So and this the Oregon, you know, and it's really down to regulation by the government. You know, they just they made some zigs when they should have zagged and now prices are like below anywhere else in the country. They well, have, they like, just they have, have a, a surplus of flour. Yeah. And of course, there's so many farmers that, you know, will end up going under. I mean, right now it's great for product developers because they can, right. you know, have larger profit margins on the products that they're producing. But, you know, ultimately there there is going to be constant change happening in each of our, these states as we kind of get our feet and and really get grounded in what's happening. And, you know, I'm doing some help with a policy advisor in D.C. Um, I'd met her at Circular Summit. It's a entrepreneurial conference for women. And, you know, they're they're trying to make sure that they're learning from what's happening in all of these states and that they are helping craft federal laws that don't fall into these, you know, these same pits as, as we have now. So, you know, that's another thing as I'm layering in and traveling, it's exploring the culture, but also talking to the local business owners and brands and dispensaries and finding out like what's working for you here, what's not like, you know, what, what are you seeing happening other places that you wish could happen here? Because as I'm, learning all of this stuff, not only do I want to share it with my audience, but I'm also trying to help move our industry forward. You know, I think the underlying tone there is we're still in diapers in this industry. We're still learning. There's still a lot of change that's going to come down the line. Um, So you, you, I want to kind of go back to a little bit to some of the projects that you're working on. Mm-hmm. One of them in particular, Garden Society. Yes. Right. I'd, yeah. like to, I'd like to know a little bit about, because one thing as, you know, being a blessed white male um, <laughs> that you, we don't fail to Jelly. have, we don't have, we don't experience the same hurdles or blocks that say minorities or f- females, women mm-hmm. do. And I, I really do applaud the industry for, kind of policing itself at the moment Mm -hmm. around making sure that, you know, even on a state level regulation wise, they're giving these minority programs preference on these new dispensary licenses. And it's like, all right, this, most people would call that socialism, but Hey, we're actually trying to help out and tie success back to some of the more underserved. Or people that have, you know, been stepped on absolutely ground into the dirt and put in prison. I've never been asked if I've got weed on me when I get pulled over by a cop. Yeah. I've been with my boys who don't smoke weed that have gotten pulled over and they ask them if they got weed. And I'm like, no, but I do, you know, from the passenger seat and they never really press on it. I mean, that's a whole nother podcast around yeah, it is. Yeah. racial inequalities and everything else that we have going on. But I really want you to tell me, you know, cause you're a very strong woman, yes. right? Very, if, when people meet you, if they don't walk away with that feeling, then <laughs> you don't, you did not get a chance to meet the real Joe. So tell me a little bit about your, cause I know your, I understand your passion for wanting to cocoon people wanting to, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but like help people make decisions, be yeah. trusting, learn. Nobody's ever going to comprehend everything that we get to learn by getting it pounded into our head, but you can cut the curve for some people. But you're also very um, passionate about the female voice in cannabis and really how it's governing the compassionate side, I feel, a little bit more than the, like, let's just make a quick buck and get out. Yeah, and I try, excuse me, I try to create opportunities for women. I, you know, I learned in in my sales days that I get to choose my clientele. So I want to make sure that I like the people that I'm working with. And I was approached by the founders of Garden Society. And they 
had told me, like, we recognize that we need to, you know, potentially do a podcast or something. We we need to figure out another way to market ourselves since we have such trouble marketing ourselves as cannabis businesses. And so I have had the opportunity to help them craft an idea for a show. And we are just wrapping up our first season of Garden Society, the podcast. And, you know, I built out a a great recording studio and now I'm able to bring people in and give their voices a larger megaphone and amplify their message. And so this first season of Garden Society, the focus has been on, you know, finding our joy. Like, you know, cannabis is crazy as an industry and and as entrepreneurs. And so we have just walked listeners through what it's like to start a business and what it's like to start a business in the cannabis space and what are resources available to you as women and and why cannabis is such a great tool, you know, not only for wellness, but also for just relaxing and having a good time, like giving women permission to have fun and find their joy. Well, I think <clears throat> there's definitely enough focus and advertising on wine and liquor and, you know, other things that portray that, oh, casual, let's just, let's be relaxed and party and have a good time. Mm-hmm. When the minute you start mentioning, it's, it's so crazy. I mean, we, we are coming really far, really fast yeah. with the stigma reduction, but we're still not to the point yet where that soccer mom can pull out that joint or that vape. Maybe mm-hmm. in California, maybe in Santa Cruz. Yeah. But in general, we're still not quite there. You still got to kind of sneak off and and take yeah. a toke. Um, beyond, so the complications of Joe. Like, you're not just a media person. You're not just uh, a cannabis, what was it again? Cannabis Can- lifestyle guide. Cannabis lifestyle guide. You're also taking your same skill set, the things that you've had success and have had fulfillment around, and you're trying to help other people, such as, you know, not, I wouldn't say help them. You're producing other people in that same vein. Mm-hmm. What does the future hold for Joe as far as being involved with this? Like, how do you determine the projects that you want to take on and give some advice to people that to try to teach them how to stay in their lane when they need to stay in their lane? but they can be valuable in other resources. Like you could do 70 different podcasts with your energy on different topics, but instead you're choosing to focus on two and then you're, you're still providing that energy out to other people, which I think is phenomenal. It's a very humbling space to come from because most people won't share their secrets. Yeah. And you've always been an open book for me and obviously anything I ever can do for you, I will, but tell, give some advice to people as they're starting to enter the space specific to what you do and how to build partnerships and how to build relationships and what that means to you. So I think the most important thing that we can do in hell, life, love, and business is to allow, is to to be willing to go with the flow. Like, you know, when people say, make it a great day or have a good great have a good day, I'm one of those people that I'm like, let it be a good day. Sure. So I think what one of the pieces of advice is don't try to force shit. Like if you are in your flow and you're doing the things that bring you joy, windows and doors of opportunity are opening all around you all the time. And it's being intentional with what you're doing. And and just like when you feel good energy with somebody – don't ignore that. Like listening to our body is one of the most important things that we can do. And I feel like in business, women are downgraded because we have feelings. But I think those feelings are the most powerful guide that we have. And so being able to be in the flow, find people that you work well with, and and don't you know, I, I, founder syndrome is very fucking real. And so there's a lot of people, they have an idea and they don't let it be its own moving, living, breathing thing and grow and evolve. They try to just force everything to be this original idea. And if I would have done that five years ago, 
casually baked would be nothing like it is now. But I am a firm believer that, you know, whatever my intention is, like to me, I'm like, I am Jopra. I am the Oprah of pot. I am going to bring can of confidence to everyone in the world. Like that's what I want to do. Now, how I get that done, it's all about just allowing things to happen around me and, and, you know, like making decisions from a place of love, kindness, and compassion. If something feels bad, I don't do it. I mean, it's really as simple as that. And, and that requires people to be intentional and mindful. And there's a lot of times when we don't want to be intentional and mindful. We just want to overconsume and, and just, you know, just get through the day. And to me, every day is a gift and I'm not getting through it. I am living the fuck out of it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I feel like singing right now. <clears throat> I mean, well, it is cannabis karaoke. Let's get it on is it. Cannabis karaoke. Jump on it. Oh my Jump goodness. I am thinking about throwing a, like a musical element into it as I go. Like, okay, I've picked a song today. You need to sing it. Here's the prompter. Knock yourself out. Because I do believe everything you just said that is really about how uncomfortable are you making yourself every day? Yes. Like, <clears throat> are you failing every day? You know, we, we put so much emphasis on success that people don't want to wear their L's as well as they wear their W's. And, you know, I'm in the same vein as you. Like, you know, I, I live every day to its fullest. Now, that doesn't mean like some people say, well, I'm only in the present, you know, and <laughs> you got to know where you're going in the future to be able to exist in the present. But I truly do try to enjoy every single day, every single memory as strongly as I can. I am one that trusts my gut even against the advice of some other people. And sometimes, look, sometimes your body can mislead you too. And so I, I really appreciate how you look at things. And I think that that message that is coming out of that is tenacity, um, perseverance. Grit, um, baby. Grit. Also loving yourself and mm -hmm. giving yourself the ability to be uncomfortable, to go ahead and do things that maybe you wouldn't do. But then also to identify them between being a hobby and being a profession, because I think that's another thing that people kind of can get caught up in in this space is like, you've been doing it for a certain amount of time. Do you have the progress you need in order to really go to the next level? So I, th I think that comes from the denial of failure. And I, the next question I was going to ask you, and you could say whatever you want. Well, obviously. and I do want to jump in one sure. more thing go on ahead. that, because I think it's so important for us to focus on what we're great at. And... So many of the times we try to do too many things and wear too many hats and focusing on the thing that you're super good at is always going to eventually bring you success. And I started storytelling when I was in the third grade. Competitive storytelling. I can storytelling. only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and Shout I... out to that third grade teacher that survived, <laughs> Joanna. <laughs> and... I did prose and persuasive speaking and and all of the things. And I was the feature editor of my school paper. I was the sports anchor for my college newscast. Like, I have been telling stories forever. And so when I got here and I'm like, okay, what does it look like to get paid to be myself? If I have to define myself in one word, and I challenge everybody to do this. So... If you have to say who you are in one word, what is it? And for me, it was storyteller. And I just was like, okay, how am I going to bring myself and my love of cannabis and my lifestyle and me being a storyteller, what does that look like? And then that's when Casually Bake the Podcast happened. That's when me creating the you know, cannabis class kit and the resource guide and, you know, starting to write for the cannabis lifestyle magazines. Like I was like, I know that I can make a difference by telling stories. So easily said. It takes <laughs> more than that. And the, what I mean by that is that that's a free fall comment to go to someone and say, hey, do you? And they're going, I have no idea who I am. That's why 
a morning meditation, cannabis infused, of course, is your most (laughs) important meeting of the day. That's where you find that stuff out. When you get still, you ask yourself that question, you get casually baked, you sit there for 20 minutes, and you don't have to sit there and try to answer it. You just let things come. It, it does help to just empty your mind, which brings me to the to one of my next questions, which is, do you have a daily regimen? Do you, like, what is, how does Joe get pumped oh, to yeah. go on the court? Like, yeah. you know? So Well, so... I think as I'm a high achiever and I think anybody who is a high achiever probably has some sort of a human optimization plan. So man, I'm like, <laughs> I need a notepad while we're on this podcast to write all these things down. Good thing we're recording it. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back. At and least write I it hope we're no, 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 we're recording. This. That's okay. I, I could see it. So, I believe in human optimization. I believe I can live to be 127 years old if I do things right. And I wake up every morning at 5.15. And if I wake up and I need 15 more minutes of sleep, I don't, I don't sweat it. I give it to myself. But most of the time I get up. I have a 20-minute cannabis-infused meditation. I listen to the 11 minutes of Up First. It's NPR's morning podcast. I don't get bogged down in a lot of news. I don't let myself watch much TV. Um, you know, I have I cook myself breakfast every morning, and I just give myself this slow morning, and I have two, two and a half hours where I catch up on some reading or podcasts that I want and, you know, and really plan out my day. I try to organize my day the night before, but then I look at it again with fresh eyes and be like, okay. What, what do I really have to get done off of this list today? What would make me feel really good and what can move on to the next day? And then after that, I just let myself be in the flow and I don't beat myself up when shit doesn't go the way I needed it to go. And, you know, like I was supposed to have another show that was happening and, you know, the whole reason you and I scheduled this was because I was going to be in the area. Well, you know, shit doesn't always work out and it's, just letting yourself, you know, be and and just really having a good perspective and a jovial outlook and making sure I laugh every day. Like all of those things are really important to me. Yeah, I have to say that <clears throat> most people take things weight. I I just, you know, people say, you know, you only live once, right? I look at them and go, no, you live every day. You die once. Yeah. And yeah. so for me at least what's been always kind of put me in this position of, I think I would have to say, I'm a, when, when you're sitting there saying, what's a word that describes yourself? I'm like, uh, maniacal, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hard to work with, but no, I, I truly love to tell stories. I mean, that was why I left the NBA was to start canvas club TV to tell stories, you know? And so when we met, it was like, Oh my gosh, I found this kindred soul that wants to tell stories, wants to help people. And I think, Another thing that I kind of try to live by, so I kind of have this Teflon skin that it's just like, dude, I'm going to fail 50 times a day as long as one of them's not. I also realize that I can make a fatal mistake Mm -hmm. and it's all over. I'm not in denial of that. And even that's okay. Yeah. You know? So many times we've had things burn down and I'm like, all right, well, let's either rebuild it or move 10 feet over and build there. Like, I guess that is a segue into how, how does Joe face, like, tell me some of the, like, you've been very nice and flowery and Mm -hmm. and like everything's good and hunky-dory and Mm -hmm. life's peaches and but I know you've gone through some shit I know you've hit some walls share share it doesn't have to be the worst one or and I don't want you to talk shit on anybody but like tell me where you've had where you thought fuck this might I might not get over this one I like are you because we always you're not an entrepreneur sorry until you look at yourself in the mirror and go I suck like at what I'm doing right now, I need to be better today. That's my regimen. Every day I look in the mirror and go, were you better than today than you were yesterday? All right, let's go do it and let's be better. You know, what, what walls have you hit or have you hit? What walls <laughs> have you hit in life with this, with this passion that you have that you've almost wanted to quit? Well, <laughs> I live with my heart on my sleeve and And I have failed more than anybody I have ever known. (laughs) And I 
have built up just this really big tolerance for failure. And it, I don't know, it just hurts less and less every time. And it, it sets me up for a quick bounce back, I guess. Like I let, I learned to let things go quickly as a child. Like, you know, I, I see people who can hold grudges forever and they, they just, they can't let things go. And, you know, and so I always made an effort to be the person that, that said, I'm sorry first, or that got over, you know, getting my heart broken faster or whatever. And so that's kind of my general mindset. I mean, it is kind of Pollyanna and, you know, rainbows and unicorns and shit. I love unicorns. And, <laughs> if you can't be yourself, be a unicorn. Yes. <laughs> I have unicorns in my studio. And so the thing that whenever I think of, oh my God, like I can't do this anymore. It's been when I feel the entire pressure of what I'm doing on my own shoulders because I don't have funding. I'm bootstrapping. I don't, I don't have people to pass things off and to get help. And so there have been times where I'm sitting in my studio and it's the third day in a row that I haven't had communication with the outside world because I'm like deep in the writing and the editing and building out a sales plan. And what, you know, it's all the things that you're doing when you're an entrepreneur where you're in it, you are, you're building. And, you know, I'm like, my ass is getting jiggly. I haven't been out on a mountain in a while. Like, I, you know, those are the things where I'm like, is this, is this really what I want? Like, you know, I don't have much of a life outside of this. And when I felt that, and of course the eye twitch was going along with it. And so at that point, that's whenever I was like, I've got to start traveling again. Because the only way that I can keep doing this is to bring that life balance back into the equation. You know, I'm giving myself my slow morning. I'm taking all of my supplements. I'm feeding my brain. I'm, you know, eating all the right things. But I'm not spending enough time in nature. I'm not spending enough time with my friends. I'm not spending enough time getting stamps on my passport. How can I, how can I add those things back to my life and still have a business? If I can figure that out, I'm going to keep going. That's, I, I think that's dead on. I mean, I, I think, again, that goes back to that free fall of can you just go out and do something? I mean, I, I've kind of always, I have a hard time working for people. I've tried it twice in my entire life. Yeah. Before, and I don't count the, you know, jobs at Burger King and all that stuff when you're growing up. But, like, I've pretty much worked for myself my whole life. Mm-hmm. And, and most people would say, oh, you're a control freak. That's why. You know, and it's like, nah, really, I want to control my own schedule. I would rather work 120 hours a week to be able to take that 10-hour jaunt to the mountains when Mm -hmm. I want to, not when I can. I don't ever want to be that guy that has to go to somewhere, has to take my vacation at a certain time, gives me just massive anxiety. When people – how do you help people get over the – because I have some of them in my life where Mm – People want, like some people want to be entrepreneurs, then they think they're really not an entrepreneur, when in reality, the way they measure that entrepreneurship is with the wrong grade scale. Like, I, I'd like to know what you consider being an entrepreneur is, and what you consider success, because I do really believe people have this, like, I almost have success in my failures. I'm almost like, okay, cool. I don't, if it goes right the first time, then I need to go back and try to break it so that I can make it better because mm-hmm. I, I'm of the ilk of like, you're never a one shot, one kill person every time you, there, you've got to have some moments where you bleed, you cry, you scream in order for yourself to get better. So what, what, what do you measure success as and, and how do you help other people come to that um, realization that they can be an entrepreneur and, and live their life the way they want? So your first question about what I define an entrepreneur, you know, I'm one of those people, if you're starting a business and it's some brick and mortar business and there are other brick and mortar business similar to yours, you're a business owner. You're not an entrepreneur. I think if you are, you know, breaking into a new industry, you know, creating a new solution for a common problem, if you are 
naming yourself a cannabis lifestyle guide and no one's ever heard of that, you know, you're an entrepreneur. You're creating something new. And the second part of your question was... How do you help people define that and get over the hump of them not feeling like an entrepreneur? Because I've... Yeah. So, I mean, I've felt like that a lot. I mean, I've even told you before, sometimes I feel like this is a glorified fucking hobby because I'm spending money and I'm not making money right now. You know, it's, it's one of those things where you have to stick with it, look at yourself in the mirror and, and be who you want to be, you know, project future you like fake it till you make it kind of a thing like I am taking care of future Joe by spending money now to have a sound engineer I'm taking care of future Joe and my future business by hiring a professional videographer I may not be able to go out to fancy dinners or take extra vacations but that to me is what's important right now for my future success and that in and of itself makes you an entrepreneur so sometimes it's just shifting your perspective of, of the things that you're doing and how you're seeing it, because sometimes we are our own worst enemy. And it's like, you know, the things that I hear in my head sometimes, I will think, would you say that to your best friend? Seriously. You know, we can say some really terrible shit to ourselves. Yeah. People live in their heads. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I just had, I just recently have had conversations with people that that are low on confidence. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I, I go, let me tell you, number one, nobody gives a fuck what you think <laughs> ever. <laughs> <laughs> they're too worried about what they're thinking. So that's number one. The minute you realize that everybody else is walking around in their own head, you're one step ahead of mm-hmm. everybody. And my sister has this one good piece of advice that she told me once. She's like, the calmest person in the room has the most power. And so I always try to be level-headed, to listen before I speak, you know, to... I, I'm, I have a terrible problem of interrupting people because, like you, we're both storytellers. We're mm. both idea generators. I think you told me to shut up twice already today. I don't think I said you shut up, though. I told no, you no, to no, probably you're, be quiet. You're so polite when you do it. And... It's true, though. It's like I think we have – you are probably – I we all both know a lot of people, but you're definitely one of the most genuine people I know. Like you've – all the time that I've known you, you've stayed the same kind of person. I've watched you grow to, you know, from basically somewhat of an idea to, you know, you've got a multitude of things that are starting to happen. And, and like we discussed a little bit before we jumped on is time is really, our you know, our only adversary. We – even if you got money tomorrow, I know how you are, you're still going to try to maintain that growth ratio because if you just go straight up, you might come right back straight down on your ass. And I know how you think. And so I really applaud how you've, I mean, everybody can say, oh, you bootstrapped. That's awesome. It's so much more than that because money does solve certain issues. We watch it. Mm -hmm. We see people make lots of mistakes in this space. Mm -hmm. But I don't really think that that's this the only component of what makes things tick. I think it takes the ingredients that you're offering um, to the table in producing other people's podcasts, in going into these towns and wanting to do these cannabis lifestyle guide uh, promotions, to just being a mentor to other women in the space and and really being true to your beliefs. Because that's another thing people get not. I I do believe. I kind of tell people all the time. They go, "How are things going?" And I said, man, just going down the river, trying not to bump the bank. And and that's really, most people have their paddles in the water and trying to stop because they don't even want to try to navigate. And I really applaud you for all that because it isn't easy to do anything in this space. And it gets just exponentially harder as you pick the thing you want to do in the space and then who you are. And then if you're if you are a minority or a or a female, you got that stacked against you. Mm-hmm. Um Tell me a little bit about what's on the future for Joe. Well, I will. And there's one little thing I want to add to that is that in order for us to stay sane as entrepreneurs and to really help ourselves the most, I think it's important to really 
change our measure of success sometimes from day to day. Absolutely. You know, like being being fluid with what we measure as success. Because to me right now, if I were to die tomorrow, I know that I have made a positive impact with what I've built. Now, is my company making money yet? No. Is my con- company successful? Fuck yes, it is. Absolutely. And I think... Addition, like in addition to that component, is the day you know, you're you need to have bad days to have good days. My, you know, something one of my, you know, relatives told me it was his grandfather. He said, "You don't know pleasure if you don't have pain." Yeah. And so if you're not, if you aren't failing every single day, or in some capacity, you're pushing yourself out of the out of your comfort zone. Like, definitely don't get into cannabis because it's yeah. going to spin you around <laughs> like a top. Uh, yeah, use it. Just don't get into the business. Yeah, I t- people ask me all the time, "How do I get into the space?" And I said, "Well, you can always start by investing, <laughs> and I can give you some guidance on where you want to, you might want to put your money, or go buy cannabis stocks." I mean, I don't think there's anywhere that I don't walk around, and I'm sure it happens to you, where people aren't asking me a question about cannabis oh, or totally. how do I get in or are you making? Everybody has this like yeah. you're driving a Bugatti and you're living in a you know the penthouse, and you're like, uh, not really, you right? Know? So I'm. I'm going to tell you what I do every day. I try to like eat well. I try to give myself credit. I try to um, provide some me time because being married and having kids, sometimes that gets lost. So I always try to give myself some me time, whether it's surfing, whether it's just taking a walk, whatever, checking out for a moment. But then I also don't judge myself really. Uh, You know, I, I could die tomorrow. Or this thing could all burn to the ground tomorrow, and I could look at every one of my investors and say, I did the best I could with what I had. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm stopping there. Every day, I, like I said, I get up and I look in the mirror and I just say, I got to push through today. I got to make sure that this day is the best day I can make it. But I'm also okay with if it's not. And then tomorrow we start over. Is that, what does that make? How do I make you feel when I say something like that? Well, I'm just sitting here smiling at you, nodding. I mean, sure. that's, I think that's such an important part of living a joyful life and giving yourself the space to to be great or to fuck up or you know and to just kind of live between the lines I mean I think this is one of many lives that we will live sure and I think earth school is a great place to try and fail and try and fail I mean just being a human is a blessing number one you know I think just the ability to do things like this like you know, you just got to really take the opportunities as they come. Okay. Where can we find you? Yes. So I am at casually baked on all of the social mediums. So Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, I'm casually baked.com. You can find the podcast on any podcasting platform that you like, or you can just Google it. Um, I have lovemaryjane.net. We didn't talk about that. That's oh, another one of my shows. Give a couple minutes to that for sure. Um, well, in my side hustle, while I'm still building my business, I am a relationship writer for an international matchmaking firm. And so one of my cannabis magazine clients had said, hey, can you put something together around cannabis and relationships? And just without even thinking, the words came out of my mouth Yes, as long as it can be an advice column, and I can call it Love Mary Jane. And so I created this column, which I have since made into a podcast. And so it's all about exploring relationships in the modern cannabis culture, whether or not that's romantic relationships or family or community. I mean, there's a lot of stigma. And if you're a cannabis business owner and you're going to a PTA meeting, you know, maybe there's issues. We don't know. So I've been answering questions, helping people just kind of... Some of their more intimate, life-touching things, Yeah, if you will. I mean, stuff like talking to your kids about cannabis or... My spouse doesn't know I smoke a blunt every night, even though I smell like it when I walk back in the house. Oh, my gosh. Well, I had one man... So they're both in denial. ...send me an email, <laughs> right, saying like, hey, I'm going to be in Oregon for vacation. Can you please tell my wife that it's okay that we go to a dispensary. Right. You know, just like crazy shit like that where you're like... How fun. I mean... It is so th- much fun. It seems like that's like a... I think I, when you first told me about it, when we were visiting in Oakland, 
you had just started kind of, was that about right when you started putting it together? Uh-huh, yeah. And I remember you, I think you used the term like a Dear Abby style. Yeah. With a little bit more of an intimate twist. And uh, I would, like, tell us a little bit more about what that's done for you. Because on Casually Baked Side, you're, like, informative. You're, like, you got something you can really gnash, gnash your teeth into. Whereas with this, you know, this other side, it's really more, like, people's at like they're they're bearing their souls kind of to you like to answer like a question like a definitely column-esque style yeah. like that's got to be fun it's so much fun I mean I tell people it's my guilty pleasure because I I have experience in in the writing and the in advice giving I'm, I have four sisters I have spent my entire life being you know the person that sits on the back porch and everybody's asking their questions, because I'm not afraid to talk about anything. And a lot of people feel shame around stuff, sure. and they won't talk about things. And I'll No, talk we've about- had some very interesting conversations <laughs> in public that we're like, I hope everybody around us is okay with that. <laughs> so by being able to provide this outlet where people can, you know, they, they're not having to give me their real name, you know, they sign it in however they want. So, you know, you're inconspicuously getting your questions answered. Um, Unfortunately, because I'm producing three other podcasts right now, it's the one that has just kind of gets set on the back burner. And until, you know, something happens and I I have a little bit of space uh, because I have a guest expert on the show with me. So when I get a question, I go through my network and I'm like, okay, who's somebody that would be great to to riff on this with, because I, I love a conversational podcast. I don't think people want to hear my soliloquy. So, you know, it's, it's been a, a little thing. bit of work to pair guests to the comments. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's been a little bit on the back burner, but I'm hoping that as I'm traveling and doing more live tapings of the show, that it can be a casually baked love mary jane duo where there's like we record one show and then there's an intermission and then we record the second show wow that sounds like a lot of fun how i mean how do people get a hold of you like say if somebody listening to this wants to participate on either side like not just your website but like what's the process to get involved with you do you book things or yeah book for you or well so if if people want to just learn more about me personally or professionally. JoannaNuding.com is my digital website. resume. J-O-H-A-N-N-A, Johanna Nuding, N-U-D-I-N-G.com. Yes. So, you know, that's how, you know, I love working on dreamy collaborations. I have, you know, I'm kind of like you. I don't want to work for someone, but I'll sure as shit work with you. Right, right, right. You know? I don't even like that one, like even here. Oh, I work for him. Nah, we work together. I just happen to be the one taking the heat at the moment, right. you know? And so I really am a big fan of working with people, uh, not working for or, with, you know, you work for me. That's just not something I really go for, so. Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree, and I, I think people feel that, you know? They feel like they have um, more of an opportunity to share their voice, and so they're more willing to speak up. Um, I, and I ask my team a lot cause you know, over the last several months, you know, now I have a social media team and then I've got my video team. Shout and, out to Upturn. That's right. <laughs> and you know, it's nice to, to say, this is kind of the parameters of what I want to do, but now, you know, I trust you, you know, my vision. So now you take this and then let's get back together in a week. And God, I'd really like to see you turn on love Mary Jane more. I think people just, I think you'd have just, I think that's like a little gem that's just waiting to be brought out and shared because I think that's where you're going to get, especially if it's anonymous and you can get an expert to do like kind of speak to the topic. It's just, that's like a a niche that the industry could really, really benefit from because there's a lot of I have people that I know, their wife and their husband both tell me, hey, man, I smoke weed, but just don't tell my wife, okay? And I'm like, I, I'm like, okay. You know, I try to respect the secret, but both of them. But you're like, this is them, so fucking dumb. It's just like, why don't you yeah. guys talk about it? You know, and that's another thing. I mean, people just don't talk to each other enough mm-hmm. about their own desires and, and whatever they want to have going on. Okay, so thank you for being on the show. I want you to shout out anybody that you want to shout out and tell us everywhere that we can find you, and then we're going to say, let's go get some tacos. Yes, I'm excited about that. Okay, 
Um, you know what? I want to do a shout out today to craft cannabis farmers. Nice. I was just up in Humboldt County. I uh, did a little road trip. My sister and her wife came into town and they love cannabis as much as I do. And I was able to be with them for their very first legal cannabis purchase wow. at a dispensary. I took them to Flow Cannabis Institute for a tour. We took went to an extraction company so they could see how their vape pens get made. And, and we spent several days with some of my favorite farmers up in Humboldt. And, you know, things happen all the time when you're a farmer and things don't go as planned. You have accidents, you know, there's, you just can't control mother nature. So shit happens. And it's really tough being a farmer in the cannabis space. And especially ones that are spending so much money on staying up to code and, and, you know, following all the regulations. And so when something goes wrong, it could be their last harvest, like they could go out of business. And so I get high before I get in the shower. It's when I do my best thinking. So I had a thought. I agree. That's mine too. And I had a thought in the shower and I'm going to start a program because I want, I'm from a small town. I'm a rancher's daughter. I grew up with farmers, kids, like I get it. And so I want to do something and where we all feel encouraged to tip our farmers. Because when you think about it, Flower and food farming is the biggest service industry of all. And it's Without the most them, important we don't got one. It. That's right. Yeah. And so when I see people at a farmer's market haggling over their produce, I want to bitch slap them. So instead of haggling with farmers, how about when you go to the farmer's market, you tip them an extra 5, 10, 20, 50 bucks. Ask them how their season's going. Ask how their harvest is. Like these sorts of conversations are so important. And for us to stay a, a cannabis culture that really honors the plant and the people who brought it to us and the people who have ushered in this modern lifestyle that we get to enjoy, we just can't forget those people. I, I couldn't... I couldn't back you more on the fact that people don't realize that there's going to be large scale grows that take place. There already are. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the craft farmer that is going to really, that's doing it for the passion and the love of growing the plant and have done it for quite some time. And that part of the world is, I hope as we open up the cannabis culture and the space to outside people and, and people start coming through that there's that value of appreciation for what they did, even if they're not the main players in the space, because that's where there's very few places in the world where cannabis is connotated to a geographical area. And that area is kind of the motherland. Um, one of, if you will, not to, uh, you know, make anybody feel bad in the world, humble, you know? And so it's, it is a struggle as these mergers and acquisitions and everything start to take place to see those guys get taken out, and not be revered. Now, Flo Canna is doing an amazing job mm-hmm. of making sure that doesn't happen, but we still got to be cautious. And I do believe that the customer needs to be able to appreciate what they're doing. And I think there is a little bit of a disconnect between the small farmer and the customer to understand what it really takes right. to bring you that wedding cake that you love so much. Yeah. And so Podcast 90 that okay. is about to release, I I sat down with Bryceland Forest Farm And they are a working vegetable and cannabis farm. And just really talking about the importance of, you know, regenerative farming and and by us caring what's in our soil and what we put into our bodies, how that can also help us fix the climate crisis that we're in. So, you know, I just think there's... Helps nurture the soil. Like we have a couple here in the the area that are are doing both... uh, farm boxes mm-hmm. as well as cannabis and they're rotating through their through their plots and yeah. and it's they're generating some good product on both sides. And it's and it's just one of those things where you don't know what you don't know. It's kind of calibration of the earth. Mhm. All right, well thank you for being yeah. on the show. Oh yeah. Is there anything else you want to tell anybody before we go? No. And this is just probably episode is. 1 of us talking together. There'll probably be millions more, but that's I right. really appreciate you coming on. Totally. This is so much fun. So casuallybaked.com, at casuallybaked. Do it or don't, but do. 
That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this edition of Cannabis Karaoke, another kick-ass podcast about all things cannabis. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and our website, CannabisKaraoke.tv. And if you or someone you know would like to be on the show, please hit the Book Your Interview button on the right. Cannabis Karaoke, grab the mic and tell your story. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.